This is Messenger Insight, a podcast program brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist and the Baptist Messenger. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this podcast episode. I'm Brian Hobbs, your host. Today, we're going to be talking about an important new book that impacts church life and ministry to this coming generation, Gen Z. And to do so, I want to welcome uh, an author and the the Strategic Initiatives Director for LifeWay Kids. We'll be talking to Jana Magruder. Hi, Jana. Hello, Brian. How are you? We are doing well. Thank you for for taking time on the podcast today. Thank you for putting out this new book. It's called Flipped the, Flip the Script, Disrupting Tradition for the Sake of the Next Generation. And you wrote this with uh, a team of authors, right? Yes, two of my colleagues, Chuck Peters and Stephanie Salvatore. The three of us uh, dove in together. Uh, Stephanie is actually our creative director at LifeWay Kids. And so, uh, as you can see, and listeners could potentially uh, visualize, there are a lot of infographics in this book um, that are, are tell a great story visually. And so Stephanie is our creative director that helped us with that. And, uh, and together, the three of us um, put the whole book together. Well, it's really well done. And in the March issue of the Baptist Messenger magazine, we utilize some of those infographics, thanks to y'all, and we give a link where people can get a copy of this book. Thinking about just some of those, uh, we're going to be talking about Gen Z. Now, for for the sake of anyone that may have heard that term or is unfamiliar, this is the generation that came after millennials, correct? Correct. And so a lot of them, a lot of them are uh, in high school and uh, late middle school, and then after that starts uh, Gen A. So. Gen Z is mainly our teenagers and our uh, young adults. Great. Thank you for helping with that. And, uh, you know, I myself have kids in this generation, and uh, I see a lot of these patterns with them and their peers and just some of the opportunities, but also challenges. And let's dive into some of those. And, And one, before we start talking about some of the proposed strategies, I thought we could delve into some of the the challenges. And one of those is about church attendance and just growing up attending churches weekly. Could you talk about that pattern and what you're seeing there? Yes. So what research tells us is that our church attendance patterns are uh, continuing to decrease. And so that basically uh, means that people are coming less, not just on an annual perspective, but they come less frequently. So it's not just that a bunch of people are leaving the church per se, they're just not coming as often. And so where, I don't know how you grew up, but if you were like me, I was at church three times a week, uh, faithfully, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and sometimes in between. Um, But what research tells us now is that uh, on average, I'm just going to say kids, kids and students come um, 1.5 times a month. And so that's how we see attendance sort of um, being affected currently. Absolutely. I, I, I was struck by that and just the statistic on that, uh, that fewer, half of, fewer than half of the millennials in Gen Z attended church weekly while growing up. And you think about it, how our society is on Sundays, where would 
kids be, maybe at the ball field or shopping or sleeping in or on a digital device instead of at church. And, and that's how profound effects about how they view the church, how they view religion, how they view God. One of the infographics talked about the rise of agnosticism and atheism among this younger generation. Could you talk about some of that, Jana? Yes. So secularism in general is uh, definitely on the rise. Uh, So 18% is what we're seeing in research of Gen Z identify as atheist or agnostic, and that seems to be rising. Um, A lot of that is centered around uh, what is known as expressive individualism, Um, I know that's a mouthful, uh, but uh, that is basically how our kids' worldview is being shaped, is by this idea of of how we want our kids to express themselves, and we, as a culture and society, reward this individualism kind of self-expression. So um, because of that, uh, we see you know, more and more kids and students want to, like, become their own self-worth and their own, um, uh, that it's all up to them, let's say. It's all up to them in terms of whether they um, are um, fulfilled in life. And so however that is realized is dependent on their happiness. And so that is there's a lot of different ways that you can express or, or define expressive individualism, but um, for the most part, it's that whole thing that we hear a lot of, be true to thine own self, and how that message permeates just all different parts of our culture, and that is affecting our kids' worldview. Absolutely, and we see this express itself in, in issues of, of gender, and, and other issues. What are some other uh, patterns you've observed through research about this this Gen Z generation that, that's newer or unique? Um, I think there is a growing distrust of um, large-scale structures and institutions, including the church, um, that uh, automatically feel suspicious to this generation. Um, that's kind of part of it. Um, the, uh, the primary social ethic is basically tolerance, tolerance of everyone's, um, self-defined quest for individual freedom and self-expression. Um, and that must be protected at all costs. Um, and then of course we see, uh, that expressed a lot in the, in the world of technology and social media. So that whole expressive individualism is expressed out to the world and then we you know gain or uh, receive value from how much people like that or not um which is why we've seen so so many problems around uh just the instagram culture that our kids are growing up in because they're putting themselves out there and when they don't feel like it's it's being received the way that they hoped then that that defines their whole self-worth Great point. Uh, one of these pages has a has a quote from Kevin DeYoung, who's an author and minister, that I thought was so important and impactful and, and could be a bridge to the next part of this discussion. He says, The Christian family, Christian church, and Christian school must not assume that the next generations will accept the conclusions that seem so obvious 
to older generations. And the book is called Flip the Script. Could you talk for a minute about what the script was? And, and we, would, we would, of course, never attempt to change the Bible or the gospel or the central truths of Christianity or any truths of Christianity. But what is, what is the script and how can we think creatively about outreach and, and adapting outreach patterns to this new Gen Z, this coming generation? Yes, that's a great question. So um, perhaps the old script um, is how many of our listeners grew up, where uh, we come to church, and this is, by the way, has worked for a really long time uh, in children's ministry and in student ministry, um, and it's still effective today, but we're just seeing it change a little bit. So uh, a current or an old script would be that we expect kids to come to us and hear a Bible story, and respond immediately, and then start growing in their faith and being discipled and returning to church and and then reaching others for Christ. Um, that is, of course, the the goal of what we want to happen: hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, and spread the gospel. Um, what what we're suggesting here is that we take a few steps back. Yes, we want to get to that point, but we want to acknowledge that the fact that um, so the things we just discussed, uh, atten- church attendance decreasing, uh, uh, expressive individualism on the rise, secular worldview on the rise, we can't expect for kids to maybe come to you know church once a month or for the very first time as we see secularism growing um, and, and hear a Bible story and respond to the gospel and keep growing and coming back without acknowledging that they need to feel when they come to church a an overwhelming sense of belonging. And so that's another thing that we haven't talked about yet is the rise of loneliness in um, our culture. And this all the the research on loneliness uh, <clears throat> was done before COVID. And so uh, we know that uh, every generation experiences loneliness, uh, but uh, Gen Z expresses or um, um, experiences it the most at the highest rate, and that was before COVID even happened. And so we know that because of isolationism, because of the double downing of technology and things like that, uh, our kids are wanting to know that they belong somewhere. Um, And so we feel like the church can be that place, Uh, but we need to set up our ministries, and perhaps this is where a new script comes in uh, of of ministry, is we need to to be ready to receive kids and to uh, help them feel like they have a friend immediately and to um, have fun at church. and sometimes that feels like a controversial topic in the world of children's ministry, especially as, you know, are kids supposed to have fun? Is, is church about fun? Um, and um, our response to that question is yes. We want them to feel like church is where friends are and that we can have, uh, as ministry leaders, the, the role as of, um, helping kids actually foster friendships at church uh, because that's another uh, piece of research that we've done is that kids who do have friends at church 
are more likely to stay with church all the way into adulthood and not become one of those statistics of, uh, of kids who leave the church in college, in college years. So um, creating that sense of, of belonging and community and friendship at church so that those psychological basic needs are met um, and therefore uh, ears are open to hear because Kids aren't worried about uh, not feeling included or not feeling like um, um, they understand what's going on. When we use, you know, words like, you know, Habakkuk and, and um, blood of Jesus and things like that, we should talk about those things for sure, but we should be also be mindful that these kids who are coming to us um, from these worlds uh, or the worldview of, of not understanding what the Bible is, or especially terms like that. And so creating that sense of, um, of belonging so that an outsider can feel like an insider at church. Absolutely. Uh, the book is Flip the Script, Disrupting Tradition for the Sake of the Next Generation. It's available at the LifeWay.com website. And one of the pages you talk about, of course, this community aspect that you've just been mentioning you give statistics too about about mental health you know pr- prior generations might cite uh, fewer struggles over mental health but this gen z a higher percentage says my mental health is fair to poor um, as as students struggle as young people struggle how can the church step into that space and uh, even arrange some of the the ministry toward that hurt that they're feeling I think uh, that the what everything that I just said can apply to the whole church, and so this book is specifically written, you know, for next gen leaders. And when I say next gen, I mean preschool children, students, um, maybe even into uh, young adult college years, um, to have the kind of perspective that builds that belonging around the next gen ministries. And so, what I mean by that is. Every person, every church member or congregant um, can have a role in making sure that our young people have people in their lives. So we already talked about friendship, so that's, we'll say, peers, peer friends, um, but uh, also adults. We know that when godly adults are in uh, the lives of our kids at church, that that also has an incredible uh, uh, amount of power in terms of who stays in church and who doesn't. So when a child has a, um, other than their parents, so this would be in addition to parents, but other safe adults who are pouring into them at church, that has a profound impact on, on, um, on their faith and um, on their uh, staying power at church. So how can we challenge our churches to wrap around um, this generation um, because of their mental health struggles, um, but also because we know that that's part of being the body of Christ and how that those relationships are key to, um, to, to pouring into the lives of um, both kids and students. Thank you for sharing that. In Oklahoma, we're uniquely blessed with ministries like Falls Creek, a large the largest uh, mm-hmm. Christian encampment in North America. We have the uh, 
uh, young youth evangelism conference, and we're really seeing the Lord move in our midst among this generation. Uh, Shane Pruitt's called this the, the revival generation, and we we have hopes of just a great time of revival and renewal and outreach and awakening. But there's certainly some cultural headwinds we're dealing with, and in that first look, your book uh, flipped the script. It challenges some of the assumptions we we carry into this generation. Something I love, too, though, you emphasize the non-compromising nature of the gospel, that we're not doing anything to change the gospel or the Bible. We're simply looking at methods of outreach. Uh, Don't don't assume knowledge, pre-existing Bible knowledge with this generation and, and using churchy language they may not understand. So just a great, great book. Um, as you have you went about writing this and having this research and dialogue, is there a particular thing that encourages you about this Gen Z generation that, that you would view as a special opportunity with these young folks? Yes, and I can speak to that um, both as uh, the one of the writers of this book, but also as a mom, because I have three Gen Z kids that I'm raising my husband and I are raising at home, um, and of course, it's with them in mind also that um, that we um, wrote some of this. All three authors have Gen Z kids, and so there's been a special connection to the research and um, the things that we're finding. This question, this search um, that we see uh, our kids today, this generation, um, looking for identity, hmm. and I... I think that that is such a cultural attack that is on our kids. And I don't just mean the um, like the big issues around identity that we see around gender and things like that. Certainly that's part of it, but just identity in general. Kids are searching, who am I? And then they have this incredible pressure to define themselves. Um, and without uh, the cultural the countercultural message of the gospel, that is an extremely lonely place to be. And so the opportunity here is because kids are searching for that, we can come alongside them and help them understand who they are in Christ. And so um, the, uh, the last half of the book that we wrote um, identifies 12 uh, truths. 12 simple biblical truths that are positioned for as I am statements. So they are identity statements that kids can learn about who they are, but it's who they are in light of who God is. And so um, we want them, you know, sir, I can read a, a few of them. Uh, we want them to understand. They, we want them to understand, first of all, God's passion for them so that we want them to know that um, they are known that they are uniquely designed, that they're never alone, and that they're loved by God. Um, and then from, from there, we want them to uh, understand their position before God, that they're broken yet forgiven, that they're secure and set apart. And then ultimately, we want them to understand God's plan for their life. So we want them to be able to say, I'm made for community, I am meant to know God, I am designed for a purpose, and I am here to share Jesus. And so you can see that that those are I am statements that are extremely um, focused on who they are, but it is because of who God is. And so we, I think we have an incredible, the church has an incredible opportunity 
to be able to um, to give our kids uh, not just a better story, but the best story of the gospel. Good word. Good word. Well, we've been talking to Jana Magruder, who serves as the Strategic Initiatives Director of Lifeway Kids and who's one of the co-authors of Flip the Script, Disrupting Tradition for the Sake of the Next Generation. Jana, thank you for coming on the podcast for this book. I'd encourage anyone to check it out on Lifeway.com. And thank you again for your time today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. God bless you. This Messenger Insight has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. Visit us at BaptistMessenger.com or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptists, advancing the gospel together.